0: If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. The end of Lent has me thinking a lot about crosses. They're everywhere as a visual representation and reminder of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. I think about how heavy it must have been carrying it through town after being beaten, knowing he was walking to his even more painful death, carrying the immense weight of not only the wood, but our sins. I think back to a time not long ago where it felt like my entire year was nothing but trudging uphill. Battle after battle, challenge after challenge, defeat after defeat. And I kept thinking about that saying, Pick up your cross and follow me. And to be honest, every time I heard it, I got so frustrated. Why me? Why this cross? Why now? I felt trapped, stuck in a hole that I couldn't find a way to dig out of. I could see the light, but it felt so very far away. And I wanted to give up. And then I remembered, Jesus could have given up. He could have said, no, never mind, I'm God, I don't need to do all of this. And not only did he not say no, he fell three times in his journey. He needed help from Simon of Cyrene, and Simon didn't want to help. He was forced to help. He was forced to literally carry a cross that wasn't even his. He was probably thinking, why me? What did I do? I don't want to do this. But he did it anyway. With my journey through infertility especially, probably one of the darkest times in my physical life and my spiritual life, it took me a really long time to understand why God gave me that cross, why I lost my first baby to miscarriage, why I had to make that part of my journey. So how can we carry our crosses better? How can we see the opportunity in suffering and open ourselves up when all we want to do is retreat into a hole to wait it out. Today, I'm joined via Zoom by retired priest, Father John McFadden, who ministers to prisoners in the Camp Hill State Correctional Facility about what we can do when we feel trapped in any situation. Father McFadden, thank you so much for joining me on Candid Catholic Convo. I'm really excited to chat with you today.
1: Well, thank you for the invitation to join you this afternoon.
0: Would you mind telling me just a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, I was uh, born and raised in the city of Harrisburg. Uh, I'm the uh, oldest of six children, so I have three uh, sisters and two brothers, four of them that live in the area. One lives in Philadelphia, one lives in Florida. But we grew up in, in uh, uptown Harrisburg, as we call it, the Our Lady of the Blessed Sacrament Parish. I graduated from uh, Bishop McDevitt High School in uh, 1966 and then began my uh, formative years uh, in the seminary. Uh, started at St. Mary's College in St. Mary, Kentucky, where I got, graduated from there in 1970, and then went on to the uh, Pontifical College Josephinum in Columbus, Ohio. It was there on, until 1974 when I was uh, then uh, ordained uh, a priest for the diocese on April the 27th, 1974, by then-Bishop Daly. Uh, In my years as a priest, I've served in in several uh, parishes throughout the diocese. Uh, I served uh, 13 years full-time in our uh, Catholic schools, was principal of two of our high schools, And then uh, also have served in diocesan administration as uh, Secretary for Clergy and Religious Life under uh, Bishop DiTillo. And then uh, for two years after Bishop DiTillo died with uh, Bishop Rhodes. And then in uh, 2006, I accepted a position as pastor of St. Teresa Parish in New Cumberland. Uh, where I served for 13-plus years and then retired uh, from St. Teresa Parish in June of 2019. So that's kind of my life in a nutshell.
0: That's pretty extensive. It sounds like you have kind of walked all sorts of different ministries in your career or calling, I should say, of vocation as a priest. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've been very fortunate to have had uh, you know a, a variety of ministry as a as a full time you know a parish priest as a so as an assistant pastor and then pastor and then education and diocesan administration. So yeah, I have had uh, a variety of experiences over my almost forty nine years.
0: That's awesome. So how has retirement been? What have you been What have you been doing with your ministry? In retirement
1: well uh, I still continue to uh, to substitute to fill in uh, wherever and whenever i'm I'm asked uh, in our parishes uh, as you know celebrating mass uh, on weekends and and during the week if if asked to do that um, right now we're on the circuit for all the parish and school and religious ed uh, penance services for this a season of Lent. Uh, so I've been involved with that. And I also uh, you know, spend two days a week uh, in ministry at, at the state correctional institution in Camp Hill. Um, so that keeps me, keeps me uh, busy for m- most of the week.
0: Definitely not bored in retirement, that's for sure. You've got a no. lot going on.
1: <laughs> No, I'm not ready to uh, to, uh, you know, to get on the rocking chair on the front porch quite yet.
0: So talk to me a little bit about ministering to um, inmates. What what kind of led you down that path? We talked about what led what your active role as a priest was, you know, in education and then in administration. Um, but then how did you kind of wind up working with inmates? Um what are some of the challenges and rewards that come with that type of ministry?
1: Okay, uh, again, when I uh, was in the office as Secretary for Clergy and Religious Life, uh, that first summer, summer of uh, uh, 2000, uh, Bishop Totillo, who was a bishop at the time, uh, was scheduled to, uh, to go to Camp Hill Prison for Saturday morning Mass. So uh, he asked if i would you know take him to the institution and which i did and uh he went in and you know he had, he celebrated mass i celebrate with him and um was really uh pleasantly surprised at what i saw there the the reception that the uh, bishop got from from the inmates and from the staff uh and the way in which uh everything was done the inmates had had prepared extensively you could tell for the bishop's uh, visit the uh, uh, they were well practiced in being electors and altar servers uh they had a beautiful uh music program at camp hill uh with a, a, a choir director and with instrumentalists and uh um a choir of between ten and twelve inmates, and after mass, uh, Deacon Manny Velasquez, who was the uh, Catholic chaplain at that time, um, and I talked, and I would just share with him my, uh, you know, a, a, over uh, my my experience there that morning, and he he and uh, he invited me at, at that point to join uh with another with a group of priests that had been that had that were volunteers there uh, to celebrate mass every saturday morning so i told him that i would give it some thought and uh shortly thereafter i did get back in touch with him and uh said that i would be very happy to you know volunteer come over to the institution on saturday mornings with with the other priests that were on a rotating basis so we went through the, um, uh, you know, the process of uh, being screened and interviewed and, and so forth. And uh, I mean, I'm still doing it 23 years later. Um, it's it's certainly, it's a very, it can be a challenging ministry. Um, one of the things that has kind of changed uh, with my, uh, work at the institution is I began for the first uh, 20 years as a volunteer. And at the beginning of the uh, COVID season, when the uh, COVID uh, pandemic, when uh, everything was, was closed down, we saw that as things were going to start to open up gradually, that uh, volunteers were no longer going to be brought back into the institution, at least initially. So, in order for uh, ministry to the Catholic patients, uh, the Catholic inmates, most especially the, the sacramental life of, uh, you know, the Eucharist and penance and so forth, uh, they invited me to uh, to become a contract service provider for the Department of Corrections, uh, and so uh, I did that, and uh, so now I'm I'm there as as a service uh, as as a contract chaplain. Uh, So uh, that's changed my um, involvement in the uh, institution just just a little bit. So some of the challenges, certainly, that we meet, I guess the biggest challenge that I have is not so much my work with inmates. It's just uh, working within the system, if you can understand what I mean by that. You know, being expected uh, to fulfill all of the you know expectations, administratively uh, speaking, uh, duties of any chaplain there at the institution. So, on Saturday mornings, I have to you know get there early enough to open up the chapel and uh, let in the the workers who come to set up for mass, and then be there until we lock up the chapel at the end of the uh, morning. Uh, you know, just some of the other administrative duties that we have, a meeting uh, as a chaplaincy staff on occasions, you know, so very, very important to our ministry there. But as we all know, meetings are just that. Meetings are meetings. Um, I have training expectations uh, to fulfill uh, as a contract provider. Um, so I have, uh, I have up to, I think, a 36 hours. Uh, a year to to uh, to do the training, um, and one of the biggest challenges again with the inmates is the uh, just seeing so many of them there, uh, with you know deep emotional or psychological challenges. Um, many that really shouldn't be there; they shouldn't be incarcerated uh, because they do you know need. Very uh, intense mental health treatments uh, so that's that's one of the things that I find most challenging about that is just yes they've been, they're, they're there because they've done a crime, but uh, they just need to be uh, treated for mental health concerns rather than just being locked up i guess uh, the, the the rewards of the um, you know, uh, ministry there is um, just that one-on-one that I have with with uh, inmates. Just uh, you know, just 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 listening to them, talking to them, getting to know know them as uh, uh, you know as you would any any individual. Uh, providing some counseling, some you know, my sacramental ministry there. Uh, sacrament of penance, um, you know, the sacrament the Eucharist, the Mass. Being there in a, a very supportive way when um when they experience uh, a death, a death in their families, uh, that has to be so very, very difficult for them not being able to, you know, to go home for uh, for a funeral, uh to, you know, say their goodbyes to their loved ones, but uh, to be there in in, in a very supportive way and, and uh, just listening and and comforting them. And I guess, you know, just doing those, uh, those priestly duties that I've been doing, you know, for almost 49 years. Uh, But I think if I have to, if I have to point out one uh, reward, it's, um, you know, seeing inmates leave the institution. Um, many of them are there for a long, long time. And, uh, but just seeing them successfully work their program there at Camp Hill uh, and just hoping and praying with them that, you know, that our paths don't cross again, most especially uh, in a, a state correctional institution.
0: That's very powerful, I think sometimes we forget that they are still children of god
1: absolutely yes absolutely and uh, as you get to know them you know the goodness in so many of them just you know just shines you know you can see that you know you can understand why why they are where they are um but you can see that they're really many of them are really trying to uh, to you know to work their program uh to be uh rehabilitated and uh, hopefully to reenter society, uh, which at times is supportive of them and many times, though, uh, provides more challenges and uh, roadblocks for them to reintegrate back into society than really should be.
0: Right, right. So when you're at the correctional facility, does your ministry specifically catered just to Catholic inmates or do you find members of different faiths or those without a faith um, coming to you for support or for guidance or is, is it kind of open to all or is it just limited to those who are Catholic?
1: No, it's uh, certainly open to all. And, you know, that's one of the major uh, points that the department of corrections uh, makes to all of us chaplains, whether they were staff chaplains or, uh, uh, you know, contract chaplains, uh, that were there to, you know, to minister to all of the inmates. Now, certainly I minister uh, in, in special ways to Catholic inmates in my uh, sacramental ministry to them. But uh, in my, you know, day-to-day um, uh meetings with them either there in the chapel or somewhere uh, on the grounds of the institution or when I, you know, go around to visit inmates in their housing units. I mean, you know, we were there to, you know, to minister to everyone regardless of, you know, their their religious background.
0: Have you ever had somebody who just having worked with you, maybe they didn't grow up Catholic or they didn't grow up religious? decide to become Catholic while incarcerated? Yes. How does that process kind of work?
1: Yeah, well, you know, it it uh it's the the program is is open and you know Camp Hill has an RCIA program uh, that's uh, uh available to to uh the, the, the general population so inmates that are there at the institution serving their time the program hasn't started back up yet since you know since since uh, the covid p- pandemic but in in the years that i was there as a volunteer you know we would th- th- you know we would have weekly uh you know classes and instructions in the faith and then help that inmate to discern whether this is the the path the direction that they want to go in embracing christianity and or uh, uh you know the uh, catholic uh christianity and then I've I've been there on uh, you know uh, the, for the Easter Vigil in years past to to baptize to welcome into the church to confirm uh, inmates so yeah we have the same process for them as anybody would experience in um, you know any of our parishes.
0: That's really cool because it it kind of. Shows that that the opportunity is there, and that if they so choose that they are welcome i think that's I think that's awesome,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: many of us listening may not have ever been inside a physical prison, but may find ourselves wrestling with a a spiritual prison, whether that's uh-huh. a prolonged illness or addiction or depression, loneliness even um, and sometimes the suffering can be unbearable. How can we? suffer patiently as the inmates in a physical prison might suffer.
1: Well, I think that, you know, the key word that you mentioned there is patiently. You know, I, I wish I really had a good answer for that. Um I'm certainly patience is not one of the uh, those virtues that I have acquired that or that I'm good at, to be I'm very, very honest with you. Um. But maybe let me just let me begin by by saying, uh, it all begins with acceptance. You know we may not understand why, why me, uh, you know why this illness, why this addiction, why this you know uh, tragedy in, in in my life, in my family, why this tension in family life. But the first step, you know, to recovery. To me, is 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 acceptance of whatever it is that we are being challenged with at the time, and uh, realizing also that you know I'm not expected, you know, to go this path alone. Um, you know, other people have been, uh, you know, down this down this path before me. Um, and all we, you know, need to do is to, as easy as it is to say, but challenging as it is to do, we just need to 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 reach out, um, you know, maybe to you know, to see the cross that we carry, and you know, every one of us uh, has a cross to carry in life. That's just a part of of every person's life. The acceptance of that cross as you know for trying to fulfill as best we can that uh, that mandate that Jesus you know gave us to you know, to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect maybe you know again just being receptive uh, of that uh, challenge that we have and the cross that we bear and um uh, making sure that we you know don't carry that cross alone
0: I love that. It's like you can't you 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 absolutely need to be able to accept that this is something that I'm gonna have to deal with. This is this is my burden to carry. But like you said, it's it's a lot easier to carry if you have somebody to help you. Right. Whether that's just somebody to listen or somebody to pray for you or whatever. Just reaching. Like I think so often we we get trapped in that idea of nobody wants to help me. Or if I tell somebody what's going on, they're not going to believe me or they're, they're going to say I'm uh, being dramatic or whatever. And more often than not, people are, people say, I wish I would have known sooner so that I could have helped you. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think, and I'm also one who does not wait very well. In fact, I bought my children a book called waiting is not easy, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but more often than not, it's worth it. So I think I love, I love that. I've heard it said several times that we should offer up our suffering, but especially like when it is such a burden, it, it can be hard. It can, it can, in fact, close us off. How can we use our suffering to actually open us up to receiving God's love when all we want to do is hide in a hole?
1: Well, um... Maybe just something as, uh, you know, easy as, uh, and again, easy uh, um, to just, you know, think about that, um, you know, that scene uh, on Calvary. You know, there Jesus is hanging uh, in crucifixion. Um, And what's one of the things that he says as, as recorded in Scripture? Father, if it is possible. Let this cup pass from me. But then he goes on to say, "But not as I will, you know, but as you will." It's um, remembering that that you know, Jesus has walked this same path once himself. Yes, granted, Jesus is God, uh, so he had a little you know, uh, more help than perhaps, you know, we do, but uh, still he was as human as we are, uh, but still, you know, saw that he didn't want to accept, you know, he w- wanted this to, you know, to, to, to pass by quickly, but he finally said, well, whatever you want, that's what I'm going to try his best to do.
0: Yes. That's such a powerful image that I think we forget that he, and if he wanted to, he could have been like, no, nah, never mind. I don't want to do this because he was God. Yeah. And instead, he said, No, that I'm willing to suffer for everyone. If and if he could literally die on a cross for us, the least we can do is pick up our cross as well. I love that. In um some previous episodes, I talked a lot about the sacrament of penance and the power of forgiveness. But sometimes I would think, especially for those in a physical prison, um, but also for those who kind of craft a prison of our own design, what can we do if we're struggling to forgive ourselves?
1: You know, that's that's a very, very difficult thing. And certainly as, as a priest, as a confessor, you know, we meet that so very, very often, uh, primarily in the sacrament of penance. And the one thing that I've always tried to maybe suggest or instill in people, again, something that I that I mentioned earlier that I'm not good at, uh, not one of my virtues, but you know, but we have to be patient. We have to be patient with ourselves. Forgiveness is a process, um, and that forgiveness that comes when we celebrate the sacrament of penance when we you know, confess and uh, make that resolve, you know, not to get ourselves in situations where we're gonna sin again. Uh, but when we resolve to just do our best, God does forgive. And we know in our hearts and in our minds that God does forgive. So forgiveness comes, you know, at that point.
0: We've unfortunately run out of time. But if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, you can listen to us anytime on Spotify under Candid Catholic Convos, or you can download this episode from our website at hbgdiocese.org. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org DAC and clicking the Make a Donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.